Hello and welcome back to Mind of Success. I'm your host, Moni Millares, a Mexican-British living in Asia. I work in fintech and build digital banks from scratch. In my years in the industry, I've realized most of us are in a vulnerable financial position. However, building a business can be a catalyst for change. So I created this podcast. It's about business stories we do not talk about. I chat with entrepreneurs, CEOs, and experts about their journeys, struggles, and lessons to extract gems of wisdom and practical tools so that we can thrive and create the impact we want. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mind of Success. Today, we are exploring a very interesting topic with a brilliant mind. So we have Chirag Jetani. He is the founder and CEO of Diamant Blockchain. He, he is an entrepreneur that since he was a child, he's always had this passion for solving problems and applying that kind of like his brain to properly solve meaningful problems. He comes from the, well, as you can imagine, based on the name of the company, he comes from the diamond industry. And throughout his career, he's been seeing pain points in the diamond industry as such. So now that we have new technologies, he's used blockchain to basically improve the industry as such. He's having impact not just in the diamond industry, but in other industries. His papers, when he was like the tech behind um, like the work that he's doing, it's been reviewed by professors in the MIT. So he is a proper amazing brain as such. <laughs> so it's going to be a treat. It's very different to the type of podcast that we usually have because blockchain is like such a specific uh, topic and area. So I'm honored to have you here, Chirag. Thank you and welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot for that wonderful introduction. Uh, I'm really obliged. Uh, happy to have, be here on your show. Thank you. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. So we've been having a chat and you have a very interesting background. Not only, well, I'll let, I'll let you guide us, guide us through your background, but uh, can you explain to us how did you end up working in blockchain? That's like a question that many people have. It's like, oh, how do I get into blockchain? Can, can you share us your story? Yes. So my journey has been very interesting, particularly for myself. Like it has never been a smooth ride. So I started as a biotechnical engineer. Uh, then I switched for my master's in Germany in chemical and biological engineering. I did a couple of years of research work in my university, post to which I switched uh, on behalf of my experience, on the experience that I had, uh, I, I wanted to develop a microbrewery and genes of microbrewery in different parts of the world. So I started with India. Then there was some certain regulatory problems with the local governments and that's what delayed the process. Post to which uh, I thought, okay, let's, why not uh, US? US is a good market. So I went to US, explored the market and I have been to a lot of countries 
just exploring the best machinery to produce the best microbrewery uh, and the best beers that Amazing. a microbrewery can offer. Amazing. Yeah. So like Let me interrupt from... you a little bit. Like when you say microbrewery for all of us listening that may not be native speakers, a brewery is like the factory where beer is produced. So basically you started build, uh, creating beer, right? Yes. So it's just on a layman's term, uh, uh, a place where you get the freshly brewed beer uh, with some uh, amazing food and offer that is prepared live. So nice. that was an experience that we were yeah. going to offer to our customers. And suddenly back in 2017, when we were in the process, like uh, I traveled to Germany, Belgium, Austria, Switzerland, uh, Ukraine, China, India, US, explored different machineries, different brewing techniques. I uh, used my experience back from the university. I spoke with a lot of brewers, a lot of experts that has been in the industry since years and years. So that was, that's the process. Like we almost were going to start the business. And that's when I realized the potential of blockchain because I was also involved with my family's diamond business. I'm the third generation in the business. Yeah. So I already had experience those been discussed that with a lot of people within the space in terms of the supply chain, payments, finance. And suddenly uh, we, like my current co-founder, Dinesh Patel, so we started discussing, okay, well, this is a new tech that uh, can solve a lot of pain areas. Mm. Then as, as, an, as an individual, I have always been a problem solver. solver. So I started looking to, into blockchain, started studying it, what are the use cases, how it can be applied. And th that was a spark that we, I had. Like I left a couple of years of work that I did for the microbrewery. I just delayed the part. Like I thought, okay, this is something very interesting. Uh, a microbrewery is definitely my dream that's I, that I'm gonna yeah. pursue in next few years. But this is something that the, this is the right time and a lot of people require this more than yep. a fresh beer. Agree, yeah. So that's uh, when we started developing our own blockchain network. We put a team together of experts that have like uh, the team, my current CTO uh, and the team, Arijit, like uh, they were the first ones to conduct intra-bank trade finance remittance implementation based on blockchain between two of the largest private sector banks, that is ICICI Bank in India and MLXNBD. So those kind of team members were put together and we, our network was developed time on internet. But as an individual, I always wanted, okay, this is something that we have built. It, looks, it would always look good to us. How it would look, like if it has been applied to multiple use cases, how would the world react it? So we went to different, 50 or 55 different peer reviewers within the space, we gave them our technical white paper. We asked them to review it. And we got all 100% positive reviews. We got good suggestions and modifications that we did. And that's how our network was built. And you, as you mentioned, like the professor at MIT also reviewed the white paper and he approved it. So Ooh. those, that is the depth that we think when we are doing any business, we go to the grassroots, the root level and see if this is the core something that can have do good to a lot of people out there. Yeah. So that's how Diamond Internet was developed. And I'm very proud to say, so on the technicality side of it, I don't want to go more technical on that. 
we are but uh, we have the scalability to achieve a million transactions per seconds that is million co-current transactions per seconds right now we are positioned at doing 75000 transactions per second oh that wow. is 15000 transactions per seconds more than visa and masa network so that is a scale of network that so currently is- the visa and the masa uh, network can process 60000 transactions per seconds and current network possibility uh, that we have on diamond internet we can go up to 75000 transactions per second so that is 15000 transactions per seconds more than the visa and the masa network so that's the power that what we have built in the tech sector yeah. yeah and when you compare that let's say let's uh, see those uh, other blockchain networks out there like we have bitcoin ethereum a lot of other blockchain networks so they come to consensus uh, let's say 15 to 30 minutes or an hour so that is the consensus time and when we say consensus just in a layman's term like for any transaction to get settled on a blockchain it takes so much of time yeah now with diamond internet we are able to achieve those consensus in 2 to 4 seconds oh, wow. imagine a difference between 30 minutes and 2 to 4 seconds so that is a power that what we have built you built like an extremely amazing piece of technology like i come from the payments background yeah like banking background fintech background and even though i'm not technical to know the detail that you know let's say in terms of the times yeah. like i have rough understanding of how it works and then you're telling me that it's like basically you are making those super instant and you are claiming that this technology can be or is even better than the existing bigger uh technologies that we have which is amazing absolutely and um, that is uh, something that not we not always claim and that is something that i don't like as well so we have that proven uh tech where it has been tested amazing. to those 75000 yeah. 75000 transactions yeah. per seconds yeah that's amazing so that is a power that we have built and that is something that i'm very proud about uh, in terms of my team that yes. has done a good amount of uh, puts hours and hours to achieve that what we have achieved today yes and that's a very good point it's not you only <laughs> it's like the team it, behind it, you it it's is like never me guys. i yeah yeah it's yeah. never me it is never me doing any work not now not in the future i am basically i am a visionary who doesn't uh, get good sleep if the vision is not achieved i keep on working Amazing. on things which i want to achieve so the vision is always very important the focus is important but it's always a team that does the work for you yes it's always a team how big is your team so currently we are a team of uh, approximately 45 member 45 yes cool well done well done everyone amazing yeah so coming back to problem solving so the diamond industry can be <laughs> tricky dangerous <laughs> impactful in a negative way there is movies around the diamond industry so there are pain points that you're trying to solve what are those pain points within the diamond industry and then how how is your company solving them so when we talk about diamond industry it's always luxury like 
So it is our initial focus was to solve pain pains with the industry that is focused on luxury, like luxury goods and services. We call it art, we call it gems, you have it, jewelry. So people, when you see gems and jewelry, people when see gems and jewelry, a guy working in the gem and jewelry industry, they see, okay, this guy has to be always rich. But that has always not been a case in terms of people working within the industry. There are a lot of pain points, like a lot of people working within the industry. It's a very small industry. Like even someone working in India would know the other counterpart in US and Belgium. So it's a very close loop industry and the news gets spreads very fast. And that was the biggest advantage on developing what we have developed today. Because with a quick phone call, we can connect to anyone in the industry and talk about what the pain points they were facing. Are they similar to what we have faced? And that is the reason that we come to a conclusion and a solution very fast. For, for the end user, for the consumer, they don't know too much about the diamond industry or the jewelry industry. And that's why the, there are moving movies being made on the industry in terms of what are the practices that we're being followed. And there are big companies that have always tried to do the betterment of the industry, like with certain certifications process in place so that people become more aware of what, on what they were purchasing. There are certain ad game campaigns. So that has always been there, but until blockchain, it was not that possible to have the whole supply chain in the same network and make it all everything traceable and transparent. And that's the power of blockchain uh, that we are discussing today. Yeah. Where the goods coming right from the mines to the end user's uh, finger or neck or ears in terms of ring, necklace or earrings, that can be traced on blockchain and the user has a real-time reflection of where the goods are coming from. So are you saying but that let's say... solve this huge pain... Go ahead. Yeah. So basically so what you're saying... Like... For the uh, user to understand... Okay. No, no, please go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, you're saying like, if we think about it from a user perspective, you're saying like, hey, my earrings, my ring, like all these jewelry, that this is like, it's obviously, it's not, it's not a diamond. It's just like pearls. But still, it's kind of the jewelry industry and it comes from nature and it's extracted and it goes through a process. But I, as a consumer, I don't know anything about this piece of pearl, basically, or diamond, if it was a diamond. I just go and buy it. Absolutely. Somewhere. And I have no idea where it came from. I have no idea if it's fake, yeah. if it's manufactured. It's like, I have no idea, basically. And what you're doing, and, and if these were like diamonds and it was like a luxury good and I paid like thousands for these, then I'm trusting the brand behind them. But basically what you're doing with your company for me as a per as a buyer of luxury goods, e.g. third um, um, luxury goods like diamonds, then your technology is going to give me as a woman that's buying my diamonds the certainty that they come from a good place rather than that they are bought diamonds. And you can prove it because it's traced. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, and it's good for guys like us as well. Like if we are some, gifting someone to our loved ones. 
So uh, we don't get to have answer the question if it is real or fake. They can just scan a QR code and say, okay, this diamond has come from this particular mine, polished by this particular company, and it has uh, the specification of this. So it becomes easier for both the uh, guys and the girls uh, and uh, their loved ones as well. So it solves a lot of uh, biggest pain po- problem that people have when they are proposing someone. <laughs> that is so interesting. Okay, can you repeat that again? So basically so you're saying, this, I can scan a QR to say that, well, this diamond, it's diamond, that this diamond in my ring, and I scan the QR and then mm-hmm. that's it, you know all the history. Yes, you know all the history, where the diamond was mined, by which company, where it has been polished, by which company, which jeweler uh, put the diamond into your ring, and who was the retailer, and how right now who owns it. Cool. The whole supply chain. Awesome. And I guess my question is, how do I know that the QR code is real? That's where blockchain comes in, I guess. Yes, absolutely. So uh, basically blockchain is a distributed ledger technology. So it has that invulnerability in place where on a leaving stump, like uh, not everyone understands blockchain. I have seen yeah. a lot of uh, people within the tech space or understand blockchain. So I just want to take a few minutes and try to make people understand what is blockchain. Yes, please. So I'll take a very basic example where people have been doing uh, their their thing on a regular basis. Uh, just a small example on the bank side of it. When, uh, when we started, uh, or a few years back, when the banking was that started, people used to withdraw or deposit funds using uh, a simple check receipt. Now it has been all online banking. So yeah. once the check was there. There has been a maker checker concept in the banking system. So we would give the check to the cashier. He would see it, okay, if this account holds this balance or not. He'll give to the manager. The manager would approve it and ta-da, you have the funds in your head. Yeah. But imagine if the maker and checker both want to be a part of the fraud mm. within the system. Like if the if the account doesn't have the balance, with the approval of both of them, you can get the extra funds if it's not sitting in your bank as well. And this kind of funds have been prevalent as well in the past. And some frauds even in the today's life that we have. Yeah. So only two people had that authority to give the uh, funds or to process the fund. Uh, so now imagine... When you go to the bank and uh, your account information is distributed with multiple approvers or multiple parties, and let's say hundreds of thousands of parties have the same information that X amount of funds is sitting in the uh, wallet named Y. So there there are no chances of fraud because even if someone tries to create a fraud, even if someone wants to temper that, it has to have a permission from all the different uh, individuals or nodes, as we call in blockchain, to approve it. So until it is uh, approved and it matches the other uh, networks and the nodes, the transaction cannot be approved. So that's how the security comes into the place. One more example on a very basic scale. For example, I always have done that, like when I was a student, 
the amount of funds that I spent, I used to record it in a book. Yeah. And uh, I could go, let's say, a couple of pages uh, backwards and change any entry that I have made. Now, that was possible because I, I was the only one yes. doing that. It was a centralized system. Now, imagine when I was putting entry into a book, those information was distributed with, say, hundreds of thousands of books like me. And I wanted to change an entry a uh, couple of pages uh, backwards, then those entry wouldn't be accepted because that entry doesn't exist in the other uh, books or other nodes as we call it in blockchain. So yeah. what happens is the data becomes very secure, which is not controlled by a single entity or an authority. It becomes decentralized. So there is no central authority managing the data. The data is distributed with multiple entities or nodes or the parties involved with it. So that is what blockchain is. That's why it is very mutable. It is practically impossible to change the data as entries in the blockchain because let's say if there are 10,000 people holding the same information, you have to change the, info, the same entry for the 10,000 people's nodes. And that is practically impossible. So that is why blockchain is a very secure technology. And it is a very simple example for someone to understand what kind of potential a blockchain has. There are multiple use cases where it can be applied. And that's where the traceability comes into the play. And that's where what we are doing with the payments and finance comes into the play. Yeah. This is really good because then you explained in terms for normal people that are not in the blockchain space to really understand yes. what it is. I hope, I hope people understand it. Uh, yeah. Me too. And, me too. And if someone still has... Questions. And if someone yeah. still has questions, I, I am always open to answer any questions related yes. to blockchain yes. anytime Thank in you. the show or they can contact me any point of time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, because that's important. It's important that everyone starts getting educated on what blockchain is and the applications as such. You know, and how it, it, it is very important. industries. Like, Educating uh, people uh, throughout the globe is very important with the new technology. Like 20, almost 26 years back, there was internet. Yeah. And, this, and a young guy named Jeff Bezos, we all know him today, he came up with the idea. He wanted to sell books on internet. People thought he was crazy when people were not educated about internet. Right now, we are ordering everything from internet. Our life is almost impossible without internet. We chatting on a podcast, sitting in two different geographies, it is impossible without internet. So it, in, the internet journey has been with a lot of ups and downs with, in terms of the security, in terms of the trustworthiness of what uh, was happening. Even 10 years back, if someone would have told me that, uh, I, I was like, I'm, I'm always been very tech savvy. Like someone would have told, okay, you need to order a pair of shoes or clothes from internet. I would have said, no, I don't want it to be ordered from internet. I want to go and see it and yeah. then buy it. Yeah. But today, most of the my clothes are coming from internet. Yes. So that is the potential of the new technology that people need to understand. And the passing on the knowledge is very important. Okay. And Right now, the, this generation has been very tech-savvy. So internet took almost 15, 10, 15 years for people to under, for understand the internet. 
But blockchain is something that's going to take very short because people have become more knowledgeable throughout the geography. And this, the limitations of the knowledge has been very uh, small using internet. Like you don't need to limit yourself. There are a lot of YouTube videos which makes you well aware about the new technologies coming in. There are podcasts like yours, which teaches people that was not possible a few years back. Yeah. So that is the power the internet has. And that's why in, uh, applying new technologies to different use cases uh, in the world, it becomes much more easier. Yes. I have a question just to build on that. I have, I'm one of those people that has been going to YouTube <laughs> to understand basically blockchain and Web3 and all that stuff. And I'm still in my journey to understanding what is and what are the implications in the future. But based on that, I've come up with a personal thesis that we currently have what's called a digital divide. That is people with, with internet skills, let's say, and without. But then my personal thesis is that in the next two to three years, there's going to be a second digital divide that it's all of us that are currently tech savvy, e.g. we have access to internet and, and Facebook and all these things, and we are tech savvy, but we will not be tech savvy when it comes to blockchain web three, if we don't take action now. And the gap is going to be like huge. My friends who are not in the, in the technology space, when I tell them blockchain, they web three, they look at me like I'm weird. So I think we will it's, have that digital gap. How do we close it for the normal people, for the, yeah, for the normal people that don't work in banking or tech or diamonds, you know, like normal people. Through, through multiple channels. So yeah. there are a lot of uh, knowledge uh, sources available on the internet. It depends on the interests of the people. For example, uh, you doing this podcast and passing on the knowledge. So these are all the seeds that we are right now putting yes. that would grow bigger and bigger. Yeah. Through There are a lot of television channels coming up on blockchain. So if you are interested, if you are tech savvy, you are definitely going to uh, have that knowledge, maybe not now, a couple of years later. But that gap, it's not going to be that uh, huge. Like people, my grandfather, maybe he was listening to a radio and if I would have given him a smartphone in his hand a few years back. It's like, what is this? Mm. Because he was more onto video and let's say televisions. Yeah. Now, that gap is definitely going to be there, but it's going to come closer and closer as the new generations and the millennials that we have are very knowledgeable, very enthusiastic. That's a good. lot of schools have started teaching blockchain. So what happens is, when the school starts teaching blockchain and new texts like AI, VR, ultimately parents get gets knowledge from their uh, childrens. That's yes. how the world is changing so fast, and it's uh, it's it's going to be a very smooth ride. That's what I believe. It's going to be a bit difficult, but it's going to be a smooth ride. Good. I I hadn't thought about that. Like like schools teaching about blockchain, but of course, once like your kid comes with homework about blockchain, then you as a mom you have to. Have a rough understanding because you have to, because you have to yes. right? <laughs> it's like you have to, yeah. And because he has or she has to and, do the homework. Yeah. <laughs> so. And if the mother finds it interesting, it's uh, she's definitely going to discuss that with the dad yeah. in the evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that. You're totally right. Yeah, 
good. Because I was like, there's going to be a big digital divide and there shouldn't. But actually, if it's, if it's taught in schools, then there shouldn't be. Well, I think there shouldn't be and a how, digital divide. Yeah, how it starts, it's, it generally starts with general knowledge then it becomes a part of the course. It becomes a new subject and for the yeah. universities, for the schools. Yeah. That's yeah. how it progresses. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, awesome. Coming back to you <laughs> and, uh, and yes. the amount of blockchain. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that uh, it's been a long journey. Every entrepreneur has a long journey and has ups and downs in the journey. Can you share with us what's been, yeah, what's been your ups and downs and how you've dealt with them? The first thing I would like to say on your mention, like every entrepreneur has a long journey. And if an entrepreneur is discussing his long, long journey, then it is always that they are on a path to becoming a success or they're already successful. Because you need to stick to what you have been doing day in day out you don't need to worry about the ups and downs because everyone tends to have ups and downs no one has a smooth ride nowhere in the world it may be an entrepreneur it may be an employee or an employer yeah. so that's how the life uh, has been created and that's uh, a magic that we have and it yeah. becomes very interesting when we have ups and downs so that has been always ups and downs there have been times where we almost thought okay this is not going to be possible we need to rethink on this. But there have been times where we see, okay, now we are very in a very comfortable space, but you never know what life would feed you. Never know. So yeah. the most important thing is to stick to what you have been doing, believe in yourself, and that's what makes things possible. Yeah. And I think every, see, as a human beings, we dream a lot. We dream in the day, we dream in the night, during our sleeps. So there are multiple ideas, millions and millions of ideas flowing in human mind on a daily basis throughout the globe. Yeah. But it becomes very important, like you stick to one idea that you have, you analyze it if it is quite feasible, if, if it is solving a, a pain area for a larger group, not for maybe a small group or for yourself. And when you realize that, okay, this is something that has a good amount of potential, and you stick to it and start building on it, definitely you are going to achieve success. Like mm. there might be times like the, we had uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of people survived out of it. I don't want to say about the people who haven't not survived out of it because there might have been some difficulties, but uh, majorly all the upcoming companies, they survived out of it. They learned how to survive in the bad times. Yeah. So that is important because this uh, stuck to that like there, there are a lot of companies, companies like us who didn't have funds at that point of a time. Mm -hmm. And we were also very reluctant to approach people to fund our company. Yeah. Because we knew for sure that everyone uh, is facing the same problem. But you stick to it, you take care of uh, your uh, team, you take care of yourself, your family. And once, because there is, it's like, there has always have to be a light after the darkness. So believe in that, keep working on what you're doing and definitely if you stick to it, you'll find success. So that's what has gone through my journey as well, like without going into specifics where yes. there were downs, there were ups, but this yeah. has always been a thought process 
and that's what we are we are here right now. Just to build on that, yeah, it's like it's just part of life. Of life, it's ups and downs. We never know what's around the corner. Um, resilience. I found like if I look back in my life, resilience is what basically allows you to keep going. Basically, you're saying stick to your stick to your idea, stick to your journey. Uh, believe in yourself that is part of being resilient how have you built that resilience so it, uh, to be honest it was not built it was uh, like not built in a single day so it is a whole uh, process in the life that teaches you that it's the environment that you stay in and what I think of how it was built is I have been traveling a lot, studying in different parts of the world, uh, have been introduced to multiple cultures. So that's what teaches you something that you how to do and how to engage. So it is very important to be an extrovert, not an introvert. Speak with people around you. Start discussing around you. Never be too shy to do what you have been doing or never uh, be try to try new things. So yeah. that makes very, so everything, like even a small thing teases you a lot. Yes. So the important part is to keep on learning from different people, from different experiences. And that's how you become resilient as you see. That's a beautiful perspective. Thank you. Because yes, I think same, like my journey, it's been, I lived, well, I'm originally from Mexico, right? So I know the Latin American culture, but then I lived for many years in the UK. Then I live, I've been living for many years in Asia as well. So what knowing those three different cultures has taught me is exactly what you say. It's like you listen to different perspectives, you see different ways of being, you learn from different people, you ask questions that makes you like a richer human being. Like you have more holistic understanding rather than this is my yeah, view and you, that's it. It brings a totally different perspective to your life. It does, it does. For me, living abroad has been life-changing. So coming back to your company, how, and I'll change the topic a little bit. How do you keep your team motivated? To be honest, my team uh, is like core. It's like I interact with my team more than I interact with my family. So it's more, almost like a family. And that is the motto that we have. Like wow. we are not a team. We don't have an employee-employee relation. We are a family. We listen to each other. We understand each other on a personal basis. Uh, on a professional basis, like, uh, as I said, every, the ideas are flowing around at every point of time. And it's the same with the team as well. Yeah. So everyone has that ideas to give. So whenever we have a new team member or the existing team member that we have, we always have a motto that you have to learn a lot. Don't restrict yourself. So we have, we give them a freedom. So they have to uh, obviously work on what they have been working, but there are certain uh, things that we have 
set as rules where they need to learn uh, new things on a monthly basis or on a quarterly basis. Oh, nice. And if they don't, and if they don't learn, then their KPIs goes down. So learning is a most important process that we have and what we believe in. So everyone should learn something new. It may be anything. Like we have an, uh, one of our team members that is learning uh, Indian dance form. It's not just limited to one restriction, like one ideology or one area. It it can be anything wider. So when you keep on learning things, you have a new different perspective. Your thought process changes on how to solve the problems on a daily life basis or or, or the professional problems that you have. And that's how the new ideas flow in and that's how teams become stronger and that's how the value of a team creates and that's how we become a family together. That is amazing. And it's, I've, I think I've never heard that that before, that it's like learning is part of your KPIs. If you're not learning something, even if it's like cooking or dancing or whatever it is, then your KPIs will drop. That is brilliant. Yes, that, and yeah. that's how the te- team stays motivated. So like uh, what, uh, what I have believed or what I have seen in some other companies, you have to work on some particular things. And after a few months or a few years, it becomes very boring for you. Mm, yes. Because you have to day in, day out, do the same thing. Yeah. It's like as good as being a computer. Yeah. Then why are computer for? So why are people for? Like people have to have that different perspective. And that's why uh, human beings are superior than any technology out there. Mm-hmm. No one can replace human brains. So it is. it becomes very important to learn uh, the things and that's how people manage their workload as well and we don't have any restriction on the timings of, within our team they are free to work they can work on the work in the nights work on the weekends and that's how uh, the team becomes more stronger and stronger and that's where you know, the team starts believing the project that you are doing so they work for they don't work for you they work for the product Mm, so you yes. never work you never work for your employer you always work for what you are building so that's, that's the motto that we have within the team i love that perspective i've heard many times before that it's like you should the the mindset of you don't like similar that it's like you don't work for your employer but you work for yourself i've heard that many times in linkedin i've heard i've seen that a few times but this is different and i 100 agree that keeps me motivated that it's like, hey, you are working for the product. You believe in the product. You believe in the impact of the product. Therefore, like you say, you do the long nights, you do the weekends, you put the effort. It's important to believe in the one yeah. you're building. So there are certain authentications required for using different uh, systems within a work company. So there are some times when I get calls uh, two o'clock in the night on a Sunday that I need an access for this. And there are certain examples, like uh, we understood that we had to build something on a uh, particular uh, delivery point, like that's what. So the team itself started uh, working one hour earlier than they used to work. And I came to know when I got an invitation for that particular meeting. So that kind of energy only comes when the team believes in the product that you're doing. So it's like, uh, people say consider themselves founders and they say, okay, this is my company, but it is never a company of a single individual. 
So whenever your team members or they feel that this is my company, this is my product, that's what I have built. And when they feel proud about it, that's when you have the actual value for what you have. Yes, 100% agree. Like I've been in, in like few entrepreneurial companies and I think it's that, like when you feel proud that it's like, yes, this is what we're building. And then that motivates you and then it's contagious. That's it, it's yeah. contagious. Everybody it's, starts, it's it is contagious. And it's amazing to work in a company like that. It's more contagious than COVID. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a very, that's a very good phrase. It's more contagious than COVID. And at the same time, yes, it is amazing to work in a company like that. And at the same time, it's not that straightforward slash easy to build that culture. It's not like, ah, oh, yeah, everyone believes in the product. It takes a lot from the visionary, from the founder to be like, hey, this is what we're building and communicating that vision as well. Yes, and I think that is the key. So what uh, happens is like, if I am managing the team, I'm managing the operations. So yeah. I communicate with each and every uh, employee that, okay, this is the vision that we have. This is something that we are doing. This is the pain point that we are solving. So what do you guys think? Do you believe in it? Because if even the team doesn't believe in, the whole world wouldn't believe in it. And okay. no one's going to use your product. It's just going to be a piece where no, which no one uses. So that's how we enhance the capabilities of our product. Speak with the team members as well, because they have a lot more experience than I have, absolutely. And when you see the cumulative experience together, they are very well experienced. So uh, we have a few team members, they are, just, uh, they are coming right uh, from the college as a freshman, and they are doing much, much better than seasoned employees as well. Ooh. So that is the power that you have when you have that motivation within your team. Yeah, definitely. How then do you ensure, because now it's 45 people, at that stage, the company is still small, like it's a contained group of people. So every person that comes in has impact, not only in the work that they do, but also the the culture and the field and the ambience, how do you ensure that A, that you hire the right people, that it's a good fit for your for what you're building? And then B, how do you ensure that you integrate them in such a way that they elevate even more that culture rather than contrast, let's say? Uh, one of the ways to do that, what I believe is, you, uh, Tell the team members, the existing team members to hire people for you. Because they understand the frequency. They know what they are looking for. They, they have that responsibility in place. When they start taking the interviews, imagine a freshman taking an interview of a seasoned employee who knows the culture of the company. Because he, he's, he might be more experienced in different uh, genres, but a freshman working for a company, let's say even for a six month period or a 12 month period, he knows the vision of the company more than what the seasoned uh, employee that is just coming in does. Yes. So you allow them that opportunity to learn. To uh, So they are uh, they get groomed on multiple side of it. They learn from their interviews as well. They learn from their perspective as well when they are taking their interviews. So it's all about uh, giving the responsibilities out 
so that uh, all the team members understand what they are doing. And that's how the culture starts building. Even the new people joining the company, they understand, okay, this company, if uh, is everyone has the same culture, it becomes very continuous, as you mentioned. And that's yeah. how you build across. Like we might be a very small team. There are very big tech giants out there, but definitely this is the culture that's going to replicate in the next few years on, and throughout the company's life cycle on what we are building. There might be Googles and Facebook and their examples and a lot of LinkedIn or Instagram or Snapchat videos about their work culture and everything. But we don't try to replica those cultures because everyone dreams to work in Google, just seeing videos. And I think they are one of the finest in terms of managing the work culture. Yeah. But every company is different. Every yes. work culture has to be different. Yes. You always learn good values from others, but you never try to copy that. You build yourself and build so good that people try to copy from yourself. It's amazing. I wish you all the very success in terms of growth in the company and the company culture as well. That's that's key. That's key to maintaining yes. the product and having I, an impact. I hope for that as well. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been a fascinating conversation. We've covered a lot. We've covered from diamonds to blockchain to payments to uh, culture, leadership, entrepreneurship. It's it's been fascinating, really. Thank you so much. Uh, before we start wrapping up, what would be your final remarks for anyone listening? What comes to your mind? So the final remark for anyone listening to the show, and I think that is uh, what I believe in. Yes. Don't listen to me. Listen to yourself and believe in yourself and do the things that you're doing. Everyone has a different perspective. Everyone has a different goal. So listen to the podcast, enjoy it, enjoy the experiences. But in, when it's come to your professional or personal life, listen and believe in yourself. Don't follow anyone. Follow yourself. You, you'll have better chances of achieving success. Follow a question on that because this is like so important. And this is like what goes through people's minds. Like let's say I as a listener, it's a recipient of the message. How do I listen to myself? Just have fun in what you are doing. Have fun. If you are having fun in what you are doing, you'll yes. achieve success. Yes. And I think, I Not think today, that's spot maybe on. tomorrow, day after tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. I think that's spot on because it's like, listen to yourself. Yeah. It's just as simple as have fun. If you're having fun, then it's like you're enjoying it. That's like feedback for you. If you're not having fun and you're not enjoying it, that's also feedback. That then you should quit it. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> exactly. It's like, no, no, that's not for me. <laughs> and we have been doing that uh, since the childhood. If we are having fun uh, with the friends, yeah. then we are friends with them. If we are not having uh, friends, we don't stay friends anymore. So it's yes. very simple. Yes. You don't have to think a lot about that. I love it. Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful remark. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shirek. Okie dokie. Thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciated. Thank you. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, where can we find you? If anyone has an experience. So you can, you can find me on LinkedIn and through my website, 
you can email me at chiragchitani at diamondtoblockchain.com for any queries that you might have. I am available on all social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Thank so you. I'm always open to having conversations and any queries that anyone has. Thank you. Thank you so much for being available for everyone to ask. That makes thanks sense. a lot for your time as well. Thank you. And thanks a lot to the listener uh, having patience and listening to me if they have come to this part of the podcast the end of it. <laughs> yes, thank you everyone. <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, well, it's been an amazing, amazing conversation. Uh, thank you again, Chirag, and everyone. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Thank you. Bye. Bye.